We often need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Pastor Ed Ray explains. I preach the gospel to me all the time. What do you mean? It is by grace I have been saved. You have been saved. A gift of God. I have to keep reminding myself that I didn't earn it. It wasn't because I was such a good boy. In fact, some might argue it was just the opposite. And so I say, it's just your grace, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will not be able to say that enough in eternity. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, God, I dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Am I the only one who puts things in a place I won't forget, only to forget where that place was? Instead of our minds being like a steel trap, often they're more like the Bermuda Triangle. It's fair to say we all need reminders, especially about the important things. Well, hello and welcome to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We've come in our study of 1 Timothy to chapter 4, where we get some important reminders that will help us not only to encourage ourselves in the Lord, but also help to be a blessing to others. So let's jump right in with our first reminder from 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 14. Here's Pastor Ed. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which is given to you, was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. Now, don't ignore this. Don't be careless, it says literally, about the grace. The charisma is the Greek word, the charismatic gift that God gave Timothy, and he gave you, and he gave me. When you receive God's forgiveness and his Holy Spirit in you, you receive a gift. Now, I wouldn't be surprised to hear you say, I don't know what my gift is, Pastor. Very simple. You go to the three places in the New Testament that are a list of the gifts of God and ask God to show you and read through them and study them. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. That's a list of gifts that every one of you, in fact, I've never met a believer that has less than two gifts. Paul said, earnestly desire all the gifts. God is giving away free stuff, all right? And he wants you and I to experience it, and he wants us to allow the Holy Spirit to use it. Laying out of hands, we'll read in the next chapter that Paul was among them when they laid their hands on this young man, Timothy, probably back in Lystra in his hometown. But that established in this young man that he had a call and he knew he was supposed to do certain things. Now, this supernatural world we're talking about can be natural to you. God wants us to be supernatural, but I believe he wants us to be doing it in a very normal, natural way. You don't have to pray in King James English. 
You don't have to, when you pray for someone to be healed, take out your handkerchief and wave it over them or your sports coat or throw it on people or scream. You just be natural. Be normal. Be who you are. You're not going to talk the Holy Spirit into doing something he's not going to do anyway, but if you pray in faith, God will use you, get this, to heal people. Actually, you don't heal people. God does it, and he does it as much for them as he does for us. The person who gets healed is the one who received the gift of healing, not the person who prayed. Well, pastor, I've prayed for people and they don't get healed. Listen, I prayed for a lot more people than you have that didn't get healed, and I keep on praying. I'm an utter failure when it comes to making God heal people. But I keep praying because every once in a while, like happened last week, somebody came up and said, the doctor said he can't find the tumors. Praise God. Well, he said they probably mixed up the x-rays, but I know it was God. I agree, it was God. And so, just pray for people and let the Holy Spirit move through you, not, oh God, glory. No, just say, God, please heal this person, and he will hear. No slick presentation needed, no theatrics, no grandstanding, no dynamic delivery required. Be natural. And I got a really long list of those things I was upset when I saw somebody do something weird. Okay, verse 15, moving on. Meditate on these things. Interesting word. The word meditate is the same word as ruminate in the Greek language and in the Hebrew language too. David said he meditated on his bed. He ruminated on it. What's ruminate? You know, cow, grass, pasture, hay, bring it up again. I'm not going any deeper than that. You'll get the idea. So when you and I learn a scripture, we actually can say it back, memorize it, then you bring it up again. Can't sleep at night? Think about a scripture that you've spent some time learning. Of course, first of all, you have to learn some, right? God's the love of the world. Anybody can learn that scripture. You could spend months on that verse just thinking about what it means. The creator of all things loves the world? Yes. So, meditate on these things, give yourself over to them, and your progress may be evident. The word progress is interesting. In the Greek language, it means literally to trailblaze, to go somewhere where no one else has gone before. They've gone, but you haven't gone before, so for you it's trailblazing before others. They're following you. Verse 16, take heed to yourself. Another interesting statement. He says, keep a close watch on yourself. Another translation says, watch over yourself. Another translation said, speak to yourself. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. What was he saying? He said, come on, soul, wake up. Yeah, you're struggling. It's a hard time today. Just bless God. God, you're good. You are the creator of all things. Everything good that is in my life, you gave me. You reached down and took a broken sinner like me and you saved me. And look at the things you've done in my life. Yes, there's bad stuff. We all have it. There's chuck holes in the road of life. Some of them are big. But you say, God, I'm thankful for the things that are good in my life. That's what he's talking about here. So keep a close watch on yourselves. I preach the gospel to me all the time. What do you mean? It is by grace I have been saved. You have been saved. A gift of God. 
I have to keep reminding myself that I didn't earn it. It wasn't because I was such a good boy. In fact, some might argue it was just the opposite. And so I say, it's just your grace, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will not be able to say that enough in eternity. Continuing these things, and for doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you, that in fact, you and I are able to help others come to Christ. He gives us that privilege. We aren't going to save them. God is going to save them, but he allows us to speak to them about it. And sometimes it's good for us in the process. In fact, I would dare say it helps us more than it helps that person, at least immediately. Example, years ago, I spent some short time in Switzerland. There's a famous story there of a wilderness cabin that's stuck on the side of the French Alps. And this hiker, a guide actually, was hiking to it and it started to snow. And for Swiss, that's not a big thing. They just go out in the snow and take hikes all the time. Some of them jog in it. But it started getting really cold. You can see a 50-degree temperature drop in an hour in the Alps. So he's, it's getting really cold. And he's trying to find this cabin, and the snow is getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, it's a complete whiteout. He doesn't know where he is. The temperature is sub-zero, minus 20s, and he just gets so tired because when you get super cold, that's what happens. Your body wants to stop and conserve heat, which, of course, is the worst thing that could happen. So he's not sure he can make another step, but he forces himself, and he trips over something and falls face down in the snow. Lord, help me. What's going on here? And he reaches over, and he feels an arm. He had tripped over a body in the snow. He thought he was dead. Freaked him out. But he went over and he took all the snow off the guy, put his ear down to his, his mouth, and he was still breathing, barely. Oh, I don't have any strength. You've got to help me help this guy. And so he tried to pick him up. The guy was huge. Couldn't do it. So he got him behind him and put his arms through his arms, and, and he stood up, and then he took one step. He could barely do it. And another. He said 15 steps later, he was on the porch of the cabin he couldn't see. That God had helped him help someone else and in the process help him, his own self. When you're struggling, when you're depressed, when you're frustrated, when you're weary, when you're ready to give up, go find somebody to help. That's the way God built us. This whole area is about relationships. That's what Timothy is supposed to do. Teach others. Did he always have a good day? No. Well, I don't know who I can help, Pastor. Brasswells, sound familiar? Convalescent homes, they're all over this valley. Go in and volunteer. Well, I don't want to commit, over commit. Well, volunteer for the afternoon. But just go give away the love of Jesus Christ, and in the process, you will be renewed. That's exactly the way God built you. You are wired to help people, to serve others. I just love that our parking lot is filled with cars, many of them that say others on the back of it. You get it. <laughs> it's about other people. It's not about us. Others first, and then in the process, helping them, we're built up. Good reminder from Pastor Ed Ray, freeing us to be others-centered. Now with part two of today's lesson from 1 Timothy, taking us into chapter 5, here's Pastor Ed on Grow in Grace. 
Okay, now he, he gets very specific about relationships, and he gives us five certain specific groups of people and how to have relationships with them in a godly way. Verse 1, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. So, for you ladies, just flip the gender, and it works exactly the same. Do not rebuke an older woman, ladies, but exhort her as your mother. Okay, so Paul is helping this young man have a a relationship with people who are godly, or he's trying to get them into the kingdom of God. And he says, treat every person that's older than you with respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, that whole thing. It's a strange word today. It isn't used very often, but that's what he's saying. Do you respect older people? God says it's his priority. Listen, Leviticus 19.32, God speaking. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord your God. Proverbs 16.21, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory, display of God, if it is found in the way of righteousness. Do you show older people the deference that God suggests that we should? Do we honor older people? Now, the word rebuke is a very strong word. It is to strike at someone verbally. He says, don't strike at somebody, but exhort. And the word literally is appeal to people who are older than you. You're talking to someone that's older than you, honor them. You can't command them around anyway, and they're just going to be old and grumpy with you. But honor them as God would have you, and it will open a door for you with them. Younger men as brothers. As you're dealing with someone your age or younger, same gender, then God says, treat them as an absolute equal. Don't put yourself above them. Uh, Don't talk down to them, but treat them as someone who's equal with you. Yeah, but what if they're 13, Pastor? All the more. Respect. I hear that from teenagers all the time. He disrespected me, or they say, he dissed me. And I was thinking about a disc on a field and a tractor, and then I realized that isn't what they were talking about, right? Okay, so... Abraham Lincoln said it this way, when I'm getting ready to reason with a man, I spend a third of my time thinking about myself and what I'm going to say. I took this on many years ago. If I'm going to speak to somebody that I know is coming, then I remember that all the things that he has in his life had been in my life. Have you ever noticed how your own sin glares at you in somebody else's life? And so be humble and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. So thinking about myself and what I'm going to say, and two-thirds of the time thinking about him and what he's going to say. What is he going to say back when I say this? And anticipate it and try and soften it and, and make yourself more approachable. So you treat younger men as brothers. Now, that does not mean pull their hair and torture them, okay? I had two younger brothers and... I was really good at it. Of course, they learned to give it back, and then one of them got bigger than me, and it was really tough. But no, this means to show them equality, respect them. Verse 2, older women, 
as mothers, younger sisters, with all purity. And, and women, you just change it around. An older man as your father, and younger women as sisters with all purity, or younger men, excuse me, for you ladies. So, Timothy was unmarried, evidently, so it seems anyway. Paul writes to him about it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he's talking about what do you do with an older woman who wants to mother you? He says, enjoy it, okay? I, I tell the young pastors around here as they're going, he says, expect older women to come up to you and pinch your cheek and pull on it like that, and they want to mother you. They want to, and that's okay. That's a good thing, and show them that respect. Think of the gentleness that Paul used. Here's Paul talking to the Philippians, two women. I plead with Utica and I plead with Seneca to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, whose names are written in the book of life. So he doesn't rebuke them. They're older, evidently, and he respects them. He he calls them uh, those that are saved, written in the Lamb's book of life, and they labored beside him in the cause of Christ. So there's Paul doing it, showing it. Younger sisters with all purity. Well, the last group is the, uh, this last group is the most potentially dangerous. So younger women as sisters, gentlemen, younger men as brothers, ladies, and it's, it's a setup for a struggle. Paul is saying that younger women are to be treated as a sister. Again, not pulling their hair, but treating them as someone with absolute purity. He's a very strong word here. He's stressing that Timothy should be indifferent, unmoved, sexually towards a younger woman or a woman his same age or even an older woman. Now, we are living in a hyper supercharged atmosphere with the internet and all the pornography that's available at the push of a finger. So Paul is saying, be very careful, Timothy, because Timothy was living in pornography. There was no internet, of course, but the temple to Diana was right there in the middle of Ephesus. The whole city was given over to it. So here's what God showed me many years ago. If one of you ladies walks up to me and asks me a question, I'm talking to you and two other people. It's just something that I I established in my mind. I'm talking to you ladies, I'm talking to your husband, your boyfriend, whatever it is, and then I'm talking to my wife standing on the other side of you. And it clears up all the problems. There's no issue because you wouldn't say anything to an attractive woman with your wife standing there, gentlemen, or with her husband standing there, particularly if he's larger than you are. So just think that way. Her boyfriend is 6'8 and 300 pounds, that kind of a thing. He's a cage fighter. Don't mess with him. Whatever you can put in your mind that helps you, It's helped me for a long time. So if I look a little distracted when I'm talking to you ladies, it's just because I'm talking to my wife at the same time and your husband, all right? Get that kind of strange look on my face. Verse three, we gotta hurry here. Show honor to widows who are really widows, people who, it sounds strange in our modern society, no social security then, no Medicare, Medi-Cal, there's no retirement. And so a woman whose husband died, very difficult to get a job. All the jobs were male, 
Women were not given an education for the most part in the Greco-Roman culture. And so Paul is saying that for a woman who uh, is on her own, then you need to help her. But if she has children, verse 4, or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Sounds strange again to our ears, but really it's right on. So show piety and thank them. Be thankful that they gave you life. Repay your parents. Listen, you're here because your mom didn't abort you, okay? It's that simple. That's what Paul is saying. It was true in that society. It's true in our society. One-third of every birth in America is aborted. 53,350,000 babies have been killed since Roe versus Wade. But you weren't. I wasn't. My mom sacrificed to take care of me. And I was a handful. God bless her. I like to think that I helped her prayer life, you know? It's part, part of my job. Keep her close to Jesus. But she put aside her desires to finish her college education. She took care of me and then a whole bunch more, five of us total. But then at 64 years old, when we were finally out of the house and we were out of her hair, she went back to college and finished her degree. Be thankful and repay your parents, verse 5, who now she is really a widow and left alone, desolate without anyone taking care of her. Trust in God and continue in supplications and prayer day and night. She works at the church. She prays for people, and uh, the church helps her. That's the point. But she who lives in pleasure is dead. Actually, it's present tense, already dead while she lives. I'm thinking of the woman in Laughlin or Las Vegas or Atlantic City who's older, got a stogie hanging out of her mouth, scotch next to her in front of the one-armed bandit, and she's been there for six hours doing this, and she's cussing every time it doesn't work, and then finally she wins 200 pennies, and everything's great for 30 seconds, and then she goes back again. Paul says, that's sad. You're dying already. There's more to life than that. These things I command that they may be blameless. Blameless? Not sinless. Blameless. You're forgiven. You recognize that God forgives, and you keep short accounts with him. Okay, quick summary. The word of God is trustworthy, and teach it and live it, and you'll be safe. Ignore it, and you'll have disasters. True story. 1981, a man in uh, Long Island, New York State, finally got enough money together, kids were out of the house, that he bought a very expensive barometer and walnut, a manometer, you know, mercury, and from, I think it was uh, Sweden, but anyway, it comes to his house, and he's excited, he opens it all up, and, and he, he pulls it out, and the needle is stuck. It's stuck over in an area that says hurricane. And so he, like us, when we want to fix things, we shake it. And so he shook it. Needle still just bounces right back to there. Puts it back in the box, goes to work, and gets angry at work, and he writes a letter to the company, says, you know, I want to send this piece of junk back. I don't even think I want another one, and I want my money back. And he drives towards home from New York City, back out to Long Island, and stops at the post office, and then he heads to his neighborhood, rounds to the corner to go pick up the barometer and send it back, and the barometer's gone, and so is his house. 
Oh, it told the truth. God speaks truth through his word so that we might avoid disaster. Today on Grow in Grace, we brought you a portion of Pastor Ed's study in First and Second Timothy. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on iTunes as well. We can hook you up with many more resources to help you grow in grace when you visit thepackinghouse.org, like Pastor Ed's devotional. Speaking of resources, today we'd like to make special mention of Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, authored by renowned surgeon Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. Together they explore the human body and uncover statements that God has made about our bodies. They point out that the human body is like a window into the very structure of God's creation and a testament to God's glory. This month, we'll send this to those of you who support Grow in Grace with a donation of any amount. You might think of it as our way of saying thanks. Please remember that your gifts help us to bring Pastor Ed's teachings to the radio every day. To make a year-end contribution, go online at thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. May God richly bless you. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith.